0: Peace to the planet. I go by the name of Charlemagne the God, Uncle Charla, Lenard, whatever you want to call me. Santa Claus isn't real, but I am. And I got a gift for you. It's a brand new podcast from the Black Effect Podcast Network. With the holidays here, the Breakfast Club is going to take a little break, but we've got something for you, okay? Check out this new podcast from my loved ones, my leader, activist Tamika Mallory, and the good brother King Myson the general, host of Street Politicians Podcast, a show that takes an uninhibited look at Social and Civil Rights Issues, Pop Culture, and Politics. Make sure you check out Street Politicians podcast on the Black Effect or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah. That's how we own it! What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, my son.
2: And I'm Tamika D. Mallory. Welcome to Street Politicians, the, the place, place where the streets and, streets and politics meet. meet. There is so much happening. So it's much so happened. good to always get back here every single week. want to thank you all for Following us and being with us every week to hear about what's happening in the streets, in politics, in our world, in society. I've been saying over and over again that if black people don't tell our stories for us, by us, other people will determine the narratives um, that our children hear. And we can't allow that to happen, you know. As a black woman, I tell you, this election cycle, as we have been talking about every week, every really, week. it's like a decompressing. People actually need but wait, therapy. But wait, wait, let me just, we how are you, a little how bit you of, feeling today? That's man. what I'm saying. Black I'm queen, just are you, you feeling good today? Well, you know, some days I feel good and other days I don't because I'm telling you.
1: But I just want you to know that we acknowledge okay. the work that you black queens have been putting in. Yeah. And you know, and you Thanks. are, we want to just celebrate you. You know, I know this, because I know that black women are under attack. We are. You know what I'm saying? So I want to be the one to say, as I sit next to a black queen, that I know fights for our people wholeheartedly every day. I just want you to know that I see you and I'm here for you. And
2: You do you know. that. You do, Mice. You you really do pour into the black women around you. Um, when I think about the work that we did, everything from Brianna Taylor, her family, um, to all of our comrades that have been with us on the road, the Leslie Redmonds of NAACP Wisconsin, to Tiffany Lofton, NAACP Youth and College Director. Um, I mean, I don't even want to get myself in trouble. Lanita Baker, the amazing attorney uh, for Breonna Taylor's family. And the list goes on and on of Black women who are around us that you support. And you do a lot of great things, but I'm just going to tell you that not just Black women, but I think Black people in general, need a detox and some therapy, like some real counseling after this election, because not only do we go through the stress and strain of that, if the administration at the time continues to be in office, we already know what that means. but. It doesn't mean that a new administration was going going to to change anything either. So it's like the stress of what what do we choose? Which way do we go? So we had to deal with all of that. And then we had to deal with knowing that whatever happens is on our backs as black women. Of course, black men, second place. We have to continue to say that. Um, That's right. But, you know, with 80% of black men um, also, well, more than that, showing up at the polls. And so it's just a lot. And I feel like I've been called out my name. Um, I've been accused. I've been threatened and all of that. And it feels really heavy to be a Black woman who is carrying the load with so much, um, you know, for our community. And the thing that I think I struggle with, which is my thought of the day today, is whether or not we should be going to social media or any other forum that is public, right, around people where people can see and hear it, to talk to Black men about how we feel. It's Mm -hmm. almost like perhaps we should be keeping our pain just in our homes or keeping it quiet. So I guess a simple way of asking the question in the thought of the day is, should we be airing out our dirty laundry in terms of the relationship between black men and black women. If we don't discuss it, it continues. If nothing
1: changes, then nothing changes.
2: But if we do discuss it, it gives other people an opportunity to use our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses against us. And we know that that happened in this election cycle. We know that marketing campaigns are created based upon people watching the division in our communities and they use it and they and they they uh what's the word they expand upon it or they that's not the word I'm looking for they exploit it they exploit it for their interests. Mm-hmm. So it's like do we talk about it or do we keep it to ourselves?
1: Well I think I think it's like you said it's a very slippery slope. You know, I think as a black man, for me, when I'm talking about my own issues, you know, I want I want to be held accountable. You know, I, I'm not calling out black women and saying, you're black women, you're not doing this and that. I think that's dangerous. I think that shows a division between black women and black men. I think, if, like you've always said, y'all need to go with and deal with y'all. Don't tell black women what we need to do. Or white people, don't tell us what we need to do. You need to go talk to your cousins and your uncles. And I think I started it started to resonate with me. Like, the thing, the toxicity that we're dealing with in, in our communities as black men, Things that we're dealing with and that we're not addressing, that we we, we continue to play out and that's not changing within our communities, within the way we deal with our women, the way we deal with each other. is something that we got to be held accountable and we got to we got to utilize all forums to have this conversation. It's easy to to do it behind doors, but when you publicly take responsibility for something that's going wrong and saying, yo, as black men, you know, I don't think we're doing all we can. And then brothers get mad. Like, don't say that. You giving the enemy? No, I'm I'm holding myself. I'm not saying you. I'm saying we. I'm I'm telling you that even though I I feel that I'm doing good, but I feel like I'm not the majority. I don't represent the majority. Of what's going on? When I'm hearing black women talk about how they feel around most black men. They not. They don't feel safe. They don't feel like they always protected. That's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even if every black woman around me is like, now you make us feel safe, but it's other people. I, I'm not gonna say, Well, I'm good. Don't put that on me. No. Because I'm a reflection. I don't see people wanna win with the team, but they don't want to lose with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, people wanna say, Well, don't tell me I had thirty five in the game. You know what I'm saying? Even though we lost I had thirty five, And when you win the championship and you only had two points, you'd be like, I don't care, we won a championship. Mm-hmm. So it gotta be we when we winning and we losing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I say as me, for me As black men, my duty is when I see that we lacking in something or I feel like we can be doing better in something to call it out, to be held accountable, to say, hey, we can be doing better. Not saying that we all, we not all, there's no monolith, we're not all doing anything. But if we, if we want to say black men, this and black men are strong or black men are strong and put ourselves in that category, then say when black men are doing something wrong too.
2: Yeah. I think that there is this, this is challenge that we deal with where a lot of Black men and maybe Black women as well, when we talk about protecting Black women, we think about it from the perspective of, I'm good to my wife or my husband or my brother or sister or people that are in my immediate circle. Or people may say, you're not good to your wife, husband or you know people again in your immediate circle. But I don't think that that's what we mean when we say protect Black women. That's the the, this this episode of Street Politicians is called Protect Black Women. And we're kind of unpacking what that means. Yes, we should be good to all of us should be good to everyone, but we're human. And in relationships and other situations, families, you have challenges, you have debate, you have circumstances. But what we're talking about is as a community, as a whole, how do we. Um, really make ensure that we are not inflicting more damage and harm systemically mm-hmm. on our people. And individually, too. Yeah, I mean. individually, absolutely. But for me, it's like if I see young boys sitting by, watching while a exactly. girl is being beat up, um, and either by their friend or by someone else, and they're not uh, intervening enough to say, hey... You know, this is not right because this is what I hear. This is what I hear, especially when I'm watching these videos on social media and you see a girl and she's being attacked by, um, you know, by a black man or by any man. Well, what does she do to cause that on herself? That's what I mean. That's like it's a it's a, it's a it's a twisted systemic mindset that if the black woman is being harmed, she caused mm-hmm. it somehow. That's very different from me saying, well, you know, uh uh, uh, my mother and i don't get along my you know like my son and i have our challenges at time yes those are relationship things that have to be solved but we're talking about how we as a community really Mm -hmm. wrap our arms around black women and perhaps both things go hand in hand that Mm -hmm. you can't treat your community well if you don't have good relationships with your own family members but it feels like we're in a place where people people remove themselves from being a part of the we because their personal life is together. So then it's like when you're saying it, they're like, oh, I protect black women. Mm-hmm. You know, I fight for mine. It's not man. you fighting for yours. It's us fighting it. for one another. And yeah. black women have continuously shown up for black men.
1: And I think I think for me, you know, this whole Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez thing right. really put it in a different perspective for me. You know, I was always like, we need to protect black women, and we need to stand up. You know. Yeah, so, but
2: you and I had a number I mean, we of a knock number, down, Yeah,
1: because I was, I was one of the people that felt like, don't say me because it's not me. And then I started to realize it's a collective. We are, we can't say black people this and black people that, and then want to separate ourselves when it's not conducive every time. Mm-hmm. You know. So I started to acknowledge it, and I, I give you a little props for that. A little that. credit. Just a little bit I got credit, a little not little too credit. much, not not Producers too much, because you corner.
2: Love. I got a little credit. So she'll to go that crazy, or well, like
1: okay. she really did something. But <laughs> the reality is, when I watched the situation with Make the Stallion and seeing how many people was just come out of nowhere saying that B is lying, she's a liar. He didn't do this to her, and it just was like, why? Like, why? Why would you just assume that a woman who got bullet fragments in her foot and a man got caught with lie. a gun? that he didn't shoot? Why would you think that she would just create a whole story? What, What about your reality or your upbringing or your understanding of a black woman? What has she done prior to this to make you just instantly call her a liar?
2: Well, it's because so much of how we are viewed as black women is based upon, and I think it's on both sides, the few who are liars, who lie on black men, who you know, say that he beat me when he didn't, you know, she's a, she's a tramp, she's a this, you know, whatever, all of those things, the negativity, I think that there are some that have had those interactions and and even have had mothers that were not really good to them um, or mothers that they just hate for whatever reason. And therefore they translate that on, onto the whole. But what we know is that nine times out of 10, no, I don't even know of a man Period. But I'm just gonna say nine times out of ten, black women or women in general are not gonna just say somebody shot them that did shoot you. That's now, what I'm saying. You might say he hit me and he didn't, or he choked me, or he, you know, whatever. Those things we can go back and forth. But he shot me and he didn't shoot me. Like it doesn't even mean. And make you sense. shot. And you shot. Well you no. no, no, no. They said she wasn't really even shot. No,
1: but she got, she got a doctor's report. She
2: got a doctor's they, report man, that said doctor, that she was shot. She paid the doctor. You don't know. But why?
1: Why, she would, she paid do- doctor, why would she pay the doctor? Why would she pay the doctor, lie on her, put the bullet fragments in her foot, all that stuff, so she can lie on that? And man. then
2: people, then there was a guy who Had no face, no nothing. It was this just came a over sound video And They said, "Look on the he even told you. and he said he was the security. And he was there. He told a whole story about it, and people actually believe what he said. They never, they never saw even, him. They don't know. They who don't, it don't is, know who it was. But
1: they made up a whole story. Said her best friend said she was there. That never happened. It's just, it's just so much stuff, man. And I think it really it disheartened. Me.
2: It just it, it, really, it shows us it is disheartening. to name. It is. It was it disheartening is. for me. It is. its it was re- it's very disheartening. disheartening for me. <laughs> so it's really, you know, protecting black women is the order of the day. And we have to keep talking about it. And I know people probably tired of it. They feel like we always talking. about it but if we, we don't right. continue to exactly if we don't if nothing changes, nothing changes. And Let's so get it we right. have to talk about it. But somehow or another, we still gotta figure out when is the right moment, you know? That's a fact. And speaking of Meg Thee Stallion, first of all, she had me in that incredible, incredible performance um, on Saturday Night Live, which I didn't even know. When someone texted me and told me about it, attorney Lenita Baker, I was like, oh, that's big. As if it was about someone else, because I just couldn't even wrap my head around, you know, how powerful that moment was for her to include my voice in her performance. And shout out to Kevin Lowes who is our board member at until freedom and was right. responsible Shout out what's for up Kev making that happen um and you know Meg like anytime right like come yeah, on man. up like, here listen Let's talk.
1: listen you know i don't i believe that you know you have a lot going on we just want you to know that anything you need from us you know you can utilize our platform if you need us individually as a unit whatever man we want to protect black women i believe you I don't believe you made up no story about somebody shooting you. So I don't want, I know I see the trolls and I just wonder to myself, what is this woman dealing with? How does she feel after she was shot and she has to explain and have to defend herself about somebody hurting her. So, you know, I just want you to know that we are with you and you welcome Anytime to come she up wants here. to come to man, the street politicians. And,
2: you know, I've had dinner with Meg, um, you know, I, unless she's completely like a, a psychopath who is able to change personalities right before your eyes i personally do not believe that the young woman that i sat and talked to and spent time with just made up a story about who shot that's just me but that's that's not what we're here for to deliberate a legal matter um it ain't
1: even legal it's ethical for me like the legal part is whether he go to jail or whether they say he did it the ethic part is me knowing that a man harmed a woman and trying to lie and act like he did. That's just ethics for me. Yeah. And every other man should hold that man accountable. Like, don't let no nigga around you sit around doing no sucker shit and you ain't no, checking it. They're not niggas, we're not saying niggas nigga, 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 Okay. Probably so. not. Well, don't <laughs> let no black man, no brother, green, anything sit <laughs> okay. around you. No humming. color. None
2: of that. No what color. What you say? Colored people. Above. You still saying colored people. No colored people. No. Don't let <laughs> no
1: colored people sit around you and, and doing sucker shit to women. And getting away with it, man. If you condone sucker shit, then you a sucker too.
2: Yeah, for real.
1: That brings us to one of my brothers. A brother that I think is a dope comedian slash actor. You know, he put out this dope video about black women. He did talking about how he loves black women. And it, it touched our souls. So we was like, we got to bring him up here. Especially yeah. when we talk about this topic. And that is none other than my brother, Atheon Crockett. So he's going to be with us in a minute to join us and expound on this topic about protecting black women and loving black women and what it means to him.
2: Yeah, and in our activist segment today, speaking of protecting black women, we're going to be hearing from a young lady who we affectionately call KJ. You all saw her um, in the viral video where she is standing before the board of police commissioners in Kansas City, uh, and she's really speaking truth to power. That's a fact. In the rawest way. She said she ain't nice, which we get into. Um, she ain't nice. She says that she's she ain't nice, which we will get into and talk Definitely. to her about because Definitely. um That was
1: that's a bar though.
2: It, she's like, I didn't come here to be politically correct. Dude, that's like not that. what I came to do. And and that's just what it has to be at this time. That's a fact a young black woman, Keysiah Brooks, uh, who's an activist in Kansas City. So we're gonna be talking to her as well.
1: So before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors.
2: So before you ask this question, don't let my presence affect you. All right, the question is, would you date a black girl?
0: I, I like black girls to like an extent, you feel me? To
2: so an extent, what's the extent, the skin tone? Yeah. Okay, what kind of black girls?
0: Like either my complexion or lighter.
2: I'm ducking in, so you wanna to talk to me?
0: No. Because wow. you mean, black dark skins are mean.
2: I remember when you thought I was crazy when I used to tell you that, you know, darker skinned girls, even at my complexion, um, are just not as desirable, if you will, to some men. And and, and and what's painful is that sometimes it's black men. A lot of times it's black men who sort of look at us and say that the darker we are, as you saw in the video, Um, we're mean, we are, you know, just not as cute and attractive to our own men. So it's really, the sentiment is really painful to hear. And I think that the young woman in this video knew the answers already. That's why she went out to do this experiment because she could probably feel herself.
1: Mm. I I, Mm. I, I mean, I get it. And I've learned a lot lately. I think growing up for me, I don't think, I think, there was a stigma, like, oh, you wanted to get the Puerto Rican girl or the light skinned girl. You used to say it, but I don't think people was like they just didn't like dark skinned girls. Like now I'm hearing that I'm just not attracted to dark skinned girls. You hearing actually dark skinned dudes that's midnight black talking about they don't want no dark skinned girls. So it's like, I think, you know, it's a it's a product of slavery. You know, it's yeah. it's it's trauma, it's it's a, it's a thing that we've been taught. That darker we are, that the less we are, that you know. So I think yeah, we're I mean, actually feeding into it. You
2: don't remember it.
1: But I don't really. and maybe,
2: and you know, maybe our next guest can talk about it a little a little bit. But even in school days, right? Mm-hmm. There was clearly in that movie that we love, right? Everybody's on school days. But if you think about the colorism issues. In that movie, and the split between the lighter-skinned girls who were looked at as being cool, and that was Tisha Campbell and Jasmine Guy, and then you had the darker-skinned girls who were so who they they called you just a jigaboo, and and no, the jigaboos I think were the light-skinned no, girls, no, but the no, wannabe. No,
1: the jigaboos was the dark-skinned, girls, oh, okay, and the wannabees was the light-skinned. Girls.
2: Oh, oh, okay, right. You just the wannabe, you want to be white? Okay, exactly. So, see, you remember that? No, I remember. And that was that was Spike Lee's whole thing.
1: I grew up around in a multicultural. I'm from the Bronx. So right. It was so multicultural, and a lot of my family members were dark skin. You know, we or light skin or brown skin. The first girl that I ever was attracted to in elementary school was really dark skin. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I don't. I don't think I really paid that much attention. A lot of my dudes actually liked the same girl that I was attracted to. She was like the prettiest dark skinned chick that you ever see. Mm-hmm. You understand? What I'm saying? So I understand now. I see that it's happening now. So we're gonna bring my brother, you know, comedian, actor, extraordinaire, you know, one of the funniest guys that I know, you know, every time I, I see him play a role or do some type of character, it's like just hilarious, man. He put out this video just talking about how much he loves black women. So we're gonna bring Atheon Crockett on here to have this conversation with us. What's up, King? How you doing today?
0: What's up, King and Queen? How y'all? What's
2: going on? Thanks for joining us Thanks on Street Politician.
0: Look, I'm honored when, when y'all names came across my, my email and my publicist, you know, she'll field different requests or whatever, I was like, immediately, those are my people right there, let's go.
1: I can't imagine what this country would be like without black women. I mean, they've been on the front line, they set the stage, they cried tears, they fought the fights of everything that was right. You're our mothers, our sisters, our wives and daughters.
0: Black woman, I
2: love you. Black woman, I love you so much. So what made you do the video? I mean, we needed it. Let me just tell you, it was really appreciated. I know I needed to hear um, Black men, especially the little Black boy who I saw in the video. I needed to hear that you all love Black women. And we know it. Of course we know Black men love us. But if you right. let the media tell it, there's such a stigma and there's so much division between us, and so it's great that you use media to dispel the myth.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that's a long conversation, but I mean, let's start it. Um, for me, I just it's it's just so blatant how we are depicted in the news, in the media, and movies and TV, and you know, it's always slave this and oppressed uh, uh, version of that and I'm As an artist, I'm tired of it, right? But in, in our society, right, there was a video by um, My Black is Beautiful years ago of all these beautiful Black women saying, I love you, Black man. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. I was watching that joint. I felt loved. I was like, wow, that's that's amazing to hear. And in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, they got to have a male version of this too, right? Mm-hmm. And about a year went by, and I, I never saw the video. So I was like, yo... Um, I, I just felt compelled. I have a lot of Black friends. I got sisters, you know, and I, and I know how these sisters feel that Black men overlook them. So I was uh-huh. like, let me get all the Black men together that I know so that we can actually voice it. Because it's one thing to think it and to be in your own bubble and to just know what you know, but to verbalize something as powerful as saying, I love you, Black woman, you just never know how far that can go
1: yeah we, we appreciate it man i i was having an argument with a guy like you said that there are stigmas and there is a lot of people who don't even understand the reality we're dealing with you know there's a lot of black men who are blind to the fact that what they believe is loving a black woman or the way that they loving a black woman is not sometimes not the way that they want to be loved you know and we got to start having those conversations too so while seeing you put out this video it just empowered me It made me feel like, you know, there are other brothers who understand the need to make our sisters and, you know, our mothers and our women, just black women in general, just feel loved, man. So I think it was really timely. I remember one day,
2: um, my son was arguing with a guy. They were debating. And the guy started to say, and and the whole point was, Mice was saying, we need to protect black women. We've got to do better. And, you know, there were so many men who came at him like you know we do protect our women, but the conversation with this one particular person boiled down to him believing that if he beats his woman, right, but then he fights someone else who may disrespect her, he is protecting her, and 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 it was so difficult to get him to understand. And of course, you know, for us, it's like he just must be some idiot. We don't got to deal with it. But the the again, his page was full of men who actually supported that stuff you Mm -hmm. know it was like it was it was almost like trendy at the moment
0: yeah we got a lot of work to do yeah um as as a community like it's really it's really a lost um mindset to love black women Mm -hmm. and for black people to love ourselves and again i can point to all the reasons why we are conditioned to not love ourselves and how I mean, even down to the George Floyd tape and every other tape that we've seen, black people getting murdered, right? That is a clear message. That is a clear statement that they want to send to us mm. to say, "This is how we view you. This is how you should view yourself." And so you shouldn't care when y'all killing each other and when you know a, a young black dude is hitting a, a young black woman in the face with a skateboard. Like you shouldn't care. Mm. And that—that's yeah. the stuff that bothers me. Is knowing how long. Of a conversation that is to try to get the hope is to get our men first of all to understand that concept. We have to love and protect our black women in a real way, not in just you know for a week and hashtag about it. Right. right.
2: And when you but it's really when you said, when you said George Floyd, what it brought up for me immediately is hearing him call for his black mother. Right. Like everybody knows that the black woman gives life. Uh, not that all women don't, but we're talking about Black people right now. So the Black woman gives life and that we carry everybody's struggles on our back. We carry everybody's struggles, right? We, we just thinking about this election. We were talking about that earlier, that 90 plus percent of Black women continue to show up and save the country. And and also be major supporters of the Democratic Party, whether we are being treated fairly and given the resources and attention that we deserve or not. But we keep doing it over and over again. And you were saying, yeah. well, black men also.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you know, we wanna we wanna give credit. You know, black women definitely saved the day every time, but we came in second place this time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we definitely came in second place. But for me, it's like, how do how do we find this balance, Afion? in where we hold ourselves accountable, right, for what we understand is wrong. Because I I, I put myself in it. Even though I feel like I'm one of the biggest protectors and lovers of black women ever, I say we need to do better. And then there's this pushback from black men that I'm feeding into a narrative that we're not already doing it. And then I'm trying to explain to them that I'm having conversations with black women who don't feel loved, who don't feel like we're protecting them. So how do do you think it is that we balance between not not feeding into a narrative, but still holding ourselves accountable?
0: I mean, it's about ownership, you know what I mean? It's it's not enough for me and mice to love our black women and protect and have this mindset. We have to say we, we as black men, as the whole, we're all responsible because we haven't been perfect, you know what I mean? Like I've never beat on a woman, but that doesn't mean that I haven't gotten into an argument and talked crazy or, you know, gotten mad and whatever that thing is, right? Um, so we have to first own that we all gotta do it. And we gotta start having real conversations. If it's forums, if it's if it's meetings uh post COVID. Yeah. Black men gotta stop being so in a, ah man, don't tell me what to do. We already doing that. Like, nah, but you might be doing it, but right. we exactly.
3: collectively
0: are not doing it. So That's we gotta right take our ego aside and be like, no, no, no. Yeah. I I take care of my lady, but you know, the community of black men have failed the black woman.
2: Well, we, we have to, and, and, and by the way, there are young black boys who are coming up behind you. Or I have a young son who's 21 years old. And sometimes the challenges that we go through, you can see that he has gotten too comfortable, you know, learning from society that it's okay to like, go off when you want to on your black mother. And he and I have had many conversations about respecting your mother, but he is not alone. This is a it's sort of a trend among many of my black women friends where they're talking about the relationship with their son. And of course, my son loves me to death or to life, uh, but it is something that needs to be dealt with. Now, the next time we talk, we got to deal with how Kamala Harris being on the presidential ticket uh, impacted the amount of black men who voted for Trump and against the Democratic Party. Wow. That's another conversation, but we may not have time to talk about that today.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, um, Joe was a wild boy, but he's smart enough to uh, to know when to, to to pick the right running mate, and and Kamala was perfect, and that positions her to potentially be the first uh, woman president. Uh, we already had our first black president, of course, in Barack, and it also helped that Barack was on the the, the running trail with them on the, the promotional trail, the campaign trail. Um, but yeah, Kamala's gonna be; she, she was the perfect person to increase that support of of black voters and uh, black women. Again, we love you, black women.
1: <laughs> you got, we ain't got no choice but to love black women. I just want to know, you know, when we talk about this subject. And, and I get so much back and forth. Like, I've done probably, I did um, Nick Cannon's show. and We was talking about black women and how we need to protect black women. And I was just owning up for things that I might have done wrong. And it was so many people just beating me up. Like, black men like, yo, nobody want to hear this. And black women done this. And black women ain't perfect. You know, we talked about Meg The Stallion and Tory. And they like, she gotta be lying. And Tory didn't do none of her. That beast, that TC. And it's like. Do, are we dealing with a trauma? Is there is where do you think this anger is coming from? That that you see that especially shows up in in this generation. Like where do you think this anger is coming from, from black men?
0: You know, victim shaming comes from first of all lack of ownership, and uh, you're right. It's trauma. You know, no man who's hurt, who's been hurt, wants to admit uh, that there's. You know, there's some healing to be done. So that's another thing is black men. We don't know that we need to heal, nor do we have the confidence and the security to go heal and go sit with a therapist and really uh, correct your traumas and heal your traumas, because there's always going to be that conversation. There's always going to be that backlash. Every time one of us says we love black women, all they're going to be able to do is point the finger and be like, yeah, but all the black women I knew, did this to me and and they they aggressive and they this and they that you know what I mean but that all comes from a a a pain place so if all you remember and all you know is the times that a black woman did something to hurt you as opposed to being a man and manning up and and healing yourself and and seeking that that forgiveness also all you're going to do is keep pointing fingers and and when you finger point it's going to make you not look at all the the crazy stuff you did to to the black woman. So I think that's where that feedback comes from It's trauma and it's lack of ownership. Ownership is a, is a very important uh, concept that a lot of us don't practice.
1: I, I definitely agree with that. Well, you know, we can have this conversation all day. We probably need to do like a round table with just black men and black women and just talk, talk through these subjects and just get everybody's perspective and understand it. But once again, man, Thank you for being here. Thank you for you know gracing our presence and street politicians with your knowledge. When we seen that video, we like we definitely got to bring Afion on here, man. And I want to thank you personally for always supporting me, you know, for always being there, always giving, showing me love on my page and everything. So continue to do the work, brother, man. There's only a few of us out here that really, you know, that that aren't afraid to take accountability, aren't afraid to speak truth to power, and you know, and and deal with whatever comes with that. So once again, we want to say thank you for being here.
2: Thanks so much cool. for joining us on Street Politicians. You know, this is a an endeavor for us that we really want to see grow and provide voice for what's happening in the streets and in politics uh, within our communities. So it was so great to have you as one of our first guests.
0: Well, let me say this to both of y'all. Um, I appreciate y'all being front lines. Hands down, y'all are both front lines. Y'all are putting yourselves not you know you all not pulling other people and putting them in the front you too are putting yourselves on the front line you're getting arrested and salute to my brother trader the truth that's my brother, my brother but brother i i appreciate y'all putting yourselves on the front line for the cause for the people and god bless y'all may y'all stay protected because i know y'all are going back out there whenever something else happens oh, um, because we all have a position to fight in this in this battle, but you guys are have determined that you guys are gonna be frontline and put your hands to the plow. So I salute y'all. We need y'all. And my son, you one of the uh, greatest MCs, man. I just want to shout your your bar your oh, came up. Your pocket, your rhythm. He's
2: a scrub. He's a scrub. He's a scrub.
1: <laughs> you know, see, look, the black woman, look. She He's wanna a call scrub. a black man a scrub. See, this <laughs> is what this is what they talking about, man.
2: Y'all can't give a
1: black man or not. Nah. Yeah, now, nah, but she, you she, so she much, knows, much. she know what I do. Thank but you. I appreciate you, AFI, on for the love, man. Thank you. Continue to do the work. We appreciate the love, Atheon and we, we look Crockett, forward to seeing
0: yes. you soon. Peace. Peace. Salute. Salute.
1: So before we go to the next segment and have our special guest join, we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's how we own it. So, as street politicians, uh, activists have a home with us. We want to make sure that on every episode, we catch up with activists and organizers around the country who are doing great work on the ground and make sure that we give them an opportunity to tell their stories and to ensure that the narratives around what is happening comes directly from people who are engaged and who are actively working to make change. And so this young sister uh who we affectionately call KJ, you all know her as Keasia Brooks. We saw her at a uh, a, a police council meeting or a police commissioner meeting where the board members who actually control the Kansas City Police department uh, where they were meeting and the public was able to make statements and she went before this council of individuals and really spoke truth to power.
1: She told him up like it was on point she was she said I'm not nice right so
2: she, started she started out like that. <laughs> I'm not nice. Um, I'm
3: not nice and i don't seek to be respectable so i'm not here begging anything of soulless white folks and self-preserving black folks you get one life and you all in this room have chosen profits over people and that's pathetic
2: so let's have kj to come and let's talk to her and learn a little bit about why she uh, made that riveting speech i wouldn't even call it a speech she just basically told it like it was like it is she shot, she directly him. right directly to the to the people who needed to hear it.
3: Hello. Hey, Hi, hey. KJ. Thank you for having me on here.
2: How good are you? I'm
3: nice, today.
2: I'm, nice good. Today? I'm nice
3: today, y'all. Okay. you nice today? That's yeah. good.
2: So I want to know, like,
1: what was your motivation behind what you said at that meeting?
3: Um, I woke up that morning just feeling really motivated, feeling really angry. Um, I heard the gospel song, um, Don't Forget to Remember. So that just kind of got me... Excited. I'm like, they forgot to remember where their paychecks came from. Mm. Um, so <laughs> I wrote that speech as I was sitting in the crowd, um, partially directed at a lot of the people who came who weren't really speaking their truth. They were speaking mm. what they thought would sound the best. So I wrote that partially indirect to the people who came with us and partially indirect to the police board um, who we rarely get a chance to see here in Kansas City. My main motivation was just, ang- I won't say anger, but you know, just. Y'all going to get this truth today.
2: Had you been engaged in your local community and fighting against police brutality prior to this day?
3: Like I've been in every facet of activism. I've been with the young protesters. I've been with the like kind of middle-aged concerned parent activists. And then I've been with the
2: older civil rights uh, leaders. Tell us about what's been happening to you since uh, the The day when you spoke at the council meeting or the commissioner's meeting,
3: I, I left a friend's Halloween party and I was just sitting in my apartment complex parking lot at like eleven o'clock at night, like I normally do to like
2: decompress
3: and I saw their cars just coming through and how my apartment complex is set up. You really wouldn't need to come back there unless you were living there. They've been kind of just trailing around um and my security sees them all the time, but now that I've drawn national attention to them, they're definitely Angry, and I could see that manifesting itself in in various ways.
2: You're not you're not alone. So we've experienced the same type of intimidation. It's a playbook that they use, but you also have to protect yourself. I'm glad to hear you have security. You need to be safe. And I guess the question would be, what can people do to help?
3: I do have a cash app for security. Um, mm-hmm. I'm paying security, which I'm paying taxes on at KCPD. So you know, with Great power comes great responsibility, so I want to be able to dive into this work without having to worry about whether or not, you know, someone on the street could get me or someone right. in, yeah, in really.
1: KCPD. You have an organization, right? What is the organization? and What is it that you specialize in? What is, you know, what is it that you, your expertise in?
3: Yeah, um, I have an organization that's co-founded by my comrade um uh, Maria and I. It's called The Chingona Collective. Chingona is a Spanish word for badass woman, so it could apply to anyone of any okay. race. <laughs> but we're made up of Black, Latinx, and Indigenous women, um, so we just work together. But, you know, I'm Black. I want to work on Black issues, but you know, uh-huh. I want to be there to support my sisters.
1: Okay, so what, what is your cash Because You want to make, definitely make sure that people are supporting okay. you and make sure that you are secure and make sure that your grassroots organization is able to thrive and you continue to do your work.
3: Keisha Gabriel is my first name and my middle name. It's on my Instagram at KGJKJG.brks. Um it's a link in there. There's been a few fake pages popping up, but if you just go yeah. to my Instagram, like Yeah.
1: Yep. Well, thanks for being nice to us today. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate God. you. We appreciate you. Even though we love to yes. see the fiery, but it's good to see that smile. And we're glad that you have security and people protecting you. So whatever we can do, you know, you got us on your side.
2: Yeah. Call us anytime and be safe. Okay. Thank Take you. care of yourself. Thank y'all be so much. Good. Be good you. to you. Be Take safe. care. Peace. KJ is funny. Like, I mean, and I know she's, she's not dope. trying to she's be dope. funny, but she's funny. And I like her. Um, And I think we need to do all we can to support her and make sure, you know, she- Yes, I go to her, her Cash
1: App, her Cash, cash App. Cash her. Support her.
2: I went to um, her, I DM'd her the other day and told her that I wanted to, it was just a cold DM. I didn't know her, uh, but I said, you know, I want to give you some Cash App. I want to deposit in your Cash App. You know how we always try to pay forward whatever has been donated to us. We always try to give others that we know are out here that don't have the same access and platform um, some of the resources that we're able to- Pulled together and so I sent her that message and she responded of course she gave me that cash app because that's what I asked for and you know she's about her business but she also said she wanted to have more conversations about the national work and I think her voice is needed there's so many out here who are not speaking truth to power I don't know what the hell they're doing and um I I just want to continue to help and support the young sister and that brings me to what you don't to mind. what I don't okay.
1: Like this is this really bothers. Me. Mm. Why do people think that people who do work on the front lines who are activists are supposed to be poor? Oh
2: man. Like I really just I don't, don't get, get that it. Either.
1: What 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 do you you think that we supposed to run around here, fight, risk our freedom, and we're not supposed to have a pair of nice shoes, we're not supposed to be able to pay our rent. Why do y'all want the people that's willing to risk their lives on these front lines to have nothing? People tell me, yo, you selling a book online? You trying to capitalize off the movement? You a poverty pimp because you selling a book?
2: Well, I think. Or that... you selling a hat,
1: so you a poverty pimp?
2: Well, I believe that people should have as much as they can get. Of course, I'm, you know, I believe in Bernie Sanders' theory that people only need but so much money. Mm-hmm. But I do think that whether you're an activist um, or whatever you are, you a school teacher. Um, you know, a dancer, whatever you are, I think people should live comfortably and that not only should we be able to be supported by the community and people who we entertain, people who we fight for, people who we work with, that's one part of it. But I also think that this country should ensure that people are not living in poverty uh, just because of their zip code or the color of their skin. So I totally don't support that theory. I'm gonna wear me a cute boot. I'm gonna have me a nice bag and I'm gonna make sure that um I, I have a home and that my family is stable. That's something that I'm gonna do and I will work for mine. It's not like I'm sitting at home expecting people to give. But I also I also understand that the media has created this narrative and it's been used to uh to try to uh to to try to, you know, pretty much Uh, challenge the leadership of uh, Black people in this movement. Mm. You know, it's been used as an opportunity to deflect from the real issues and to try to destroy the character of an individual who is trying to do work um, so that we don't have to talk about the issues of social justice. And I think that what happens is because the media, as Malcolm X says, it's a powerful tool and it's dangerous, right? It, it is so ingrained in your mind that you start to question the Black leader who's doing whatever work locally, and but then you are willing to give your money to something like the Red Cross, who really also... Takes people's money, and and most of the money that goes into the Red Cross is going towards the salaries of those people who work for the company, the leadership, or the organization, uh, and and not nearly as much of the individual dollars are going to the ground to deal with relief. I mean, we know in New Orleans, still to this day, the city, the town, has not been properly rebuilt yet. The Red Cross received probably you know, I I, I know it was millions, but it could have been even more than millions of That's dollars right. during Hurricane Katrina. Um, but yet somebody like Trader Truth, who is our family, he's out there doing the work every single day on the ground, doing real relief work, That's going right. into the hood, buying trucks and other things, picking people, picking out of people hurricanes, up hurricanes. Doing and-
1: Tornado doing it
2: all, doing and they'll
1: ask all. why? Why should you get them the money? We just, I just think you, you know, we got to do better, man. Like, yeah, like why are we questioning people that's willing to risk their lives for us? People, why, why do you want to see people that you know come from where you come from that's doing work, real work? Why do you have a problem with seeing them having some level of success, being able to survive, being able to have something nice, or just not being broke and not living day to day, like? We, that mentality to me is so warped. But
2: it's an enslaved mentality. It's, it's, it's a, a warped enslaved, mentality. And, it was, and it, was, it was done to us on purpose because the entire theory, um, or at least one that I think has been extremely beneficial to our oppressors, has been to use uh, chaos and also to divide us based upon jealousy based upon uh, some having and others not having. So it's like, uh, what do you call a deprivation? Like all of these things have been used against us and it worked because it, it's, it's ingrained in our psyche that we start to want to know why, the, or what kind of car do you drive rather than having a conversation about the issue that I'm bringing to your attention. But, you know, I think you have to, and I've learned, from some of my mentors and leaders that you just have to keep going um, and not really stop to focus too much of your attention on that. It, it, sometimes, like I was questioned a few weeks ago about how much money we make and you know, do how how is all of this happening? And of course, then they started asking me, it was supposed to be about me. And the next thing I know, it became well, what does how, how come my son doesn't tell us what he's making? Listen, the president of the United States. Wouldn't show his taxes and when they finally found and which they had to crack the code over four years, and when they finally was able to find some information, seven hundred and fifty dollars. That's it. So did you fight him?
1: Yeah. Did you kill?
2: Was you on that?
1: Five million more people went out and voted for him, actually.
2: <laughs> Five million more people did go out and vote for him. The numbers went up in many many situations that you know tells us a lot about this country a lot a whole lot yeah
1: well listen once again we don't always agree we're not going to always be wrong no
2: we're not always going to be wrong
1: and we're not going to always be right but we can guarantee you that we will always be authentic
2: street politicians peace. peace that's how we own it